0: Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus. This is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. It's the off season, but uh, lo and behold, David and I, we are here to go a special episode to give you something to hold you over. Because, after all, David, uh, baseball doesn't exist right now.
1: No, no, we're locked out. And it's, it's a terrible feeling. I mean, I, I saw uh, Orioles prospect Kobe Mayo tweeted out uh, yesterday, just, I miss baseball. Sad emoji. And I have never resonated more with a tweet. Um, it's just, it, it's a sad time. We're in a lockout. And I just want my baseball back, man. It's it's cold. We got snow on the ground. We had a huge snowstorm up here yesterday. I'm sure you're all warm and fine with your palm trees in Southern California over there, but uh it is it is full on winter and it sucks, man.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that it's actually been uh very rainy over here too, so the mood's not much brighter. But uh the one thing is, you know, uh who's not locked down are the minor league baseball players. So
1: that's true. We have,
0: we have uh we always have that to fall back on I mean, and we don't we're prospects site. We don't care about the big leagues. So we're we're doing okay.
1: Except for my former favorite prospect of all time, Corbin Burns, winning the Cy Young this oh. year. How about a hand for that?
0: Huh? Yes, I'll give you a hand. I'll give you a hand for that. Uh very good season for Corbin. Uh something else that we might want to mention more on my end of uh world champions. Oh uh, yeah. That was fun.
1: Oh, I'm sure it was. And you were there.
0: I was there. I was actually able to attend uh, Game Five in Atlanta. That was the uh, Adam Duvall Grand Slam, and at that moment, I thought that that we were going to win it all. But if those stupid Astros came back and won that game. But still, yeah. one of the coolest moments of my life going to a, a World Series game. Just insane the amount of people. I, you know, I'm out here in California. Not a lot of Braves fans walking around. But when I went
1: Shocking. over there,
0: yeah, I know, right? When I went over there for that weekend, man, it was everywhere you went. It was a head nod when they, we, you know, both of us were wearing Braves hats or just every, and then the battery, which are the restaurants and the stores right out of the stadium. I mean, a hundred thousand people were there easily. Uh, That's not even including the people in the stadium. It was just insane. Not, not COVID friendly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people were just right next to each other. So, um, it's Georgia, man. it It was so much fun. And, uh, it was my first Braves game um, that I've ever been to at Atlanta. So it's quite quite the journey. Uh, I'm still living off of that high when I, You know, you you, you have the sadness about not having baseball, but I can always throw on a YouTube video about the run and see that Soler home run that goes into yeah. the territory or the back-to-back homers with Swans. It was just so many good memories. But anyway, I want spend the entire time talking yeah. about that. But, uh, I, mean,
1: I I know we had our uh, differences during that NLDS when uh, our two teams were, were right. going at it, but if the Brewers couldn't win it all, I'm glad at least the Braves were able to prevent the Houston Astros from yeah. winning it all. So I, I'm nice. happy for you, man.
0: That was nice where almost everybody I was talking to was rooting for them you know, in the whatever capacity they cared about baseball. So it was, you know, yeah. not it's not necessarily
1: caring about the Braves. It's that we want the yeah. Astros no. to totally. lose. Well, That's I, what it was, but it's fine. You'll take it.
0: That. Yeah. I never had expected you to just switch allegiances if you care about baseball, but at least if you're watching and you're going for us in some capacity, I mean, we're a pretty likable team too. I think a lot of guys that are easy. Oh, to yeah. like Albies and Swanson and, um, you know, even Jock Peterson with the pearls. That was pretty unique eh. <laughs> um but it was uh yeah we haven't had a podcast since then and um figured this would be the time to tell the world how awesome that was and <laughs> they, they forgot and if we never get baseball back we'll be the champions of baseball forever so there's a slight possibility about that you know yeah all right <laughs> anyway let's get on to some of the content that we do want to get to the public um we, again, haven't had an episode here in a couple of weeks. You could probably guess why. Just, you know, not a lot of minor league baseball news going on. Um, we have, you know, I guess a couple of the, the fall ball things we could talk about. But what we wanted to focus on today was our aggregate top 210 list, which you can find on the website. And I know we have talked about our contributions to that, David, but I wanted to kind of go over the generalized version of it, give people an exact way that it was Created. It's a little complicated. Um, if you didn't understand what we were trying to do, so wanted to clear that up and then go over and compare it to some of the other major lists that are out there, both fantasy and real life oriented, and see kind of where we stack up as a website. But the big chunk of our episode today is going to be the two early MILB mock draft for two uh, 2022 that we did. That was prospects only. So this is almost another way of creating a list. I know people love their lists where Um, We had um, 20 people participate from our website and uh, each person just drafted the best prospect that they wanted to in a snake draft format. So um, pretty interesting. I mean, it, it, it differs already in the third overall pick to our list on the site. So you can see how this gives you another idea. Like when this is almost when the cards are on the table, you know. That okay, this is the guy you would have picked at that spot. Whereas the other one is your list entirely. So it's a little interesting to compare those two. But that's uh, where we're at today. So uh, how does that sound, David?
1: That sounds good, man. Let's
0: let's get into it. Absolutely. We're just gonna jump right into it. Um, again, there's some news out there, but you know, it's it's like what what are we gonna talk about? The Rule Five Draft and anything the minor exactly. league rule 5 draft not not yeah. even the major league portion not even we didn't even get the major league portion which is even then is not always the most interesting but <laughs> um, oh it's interesting it just doesn't turn into a lot of like big actual overall yeah, that's
1: what i meant movements. you know it, it's utility players and bullpen arms generally
0: for the normal fans it's boring yeah. for us it's but sad.
1: then there's then there's the occasional Akil badu you know
0: that's true that's true Well, if, if only we had <laughs> actual draft uh, what have you heard? Anything? Are they going to actually get that done at a later point? I, I yeah. Even-
1: yeah. So, so they're going to uh, schedule that after they get the um, the CBA finalized and the lockout ends. They're going to find some sort of time, and they're going to schedule. Okay, this is when the major league portion of the Rule Five is.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we can kind of see from that are the people that were protected. But again, even that, if it's a prospect worth knowing they were protected essentially um there wasn't any huge surprises that you know left unprotected um i mean i'm going down the list here i mean there there's just there's just nothing really to go over so um yeah. the brewers we, you know, didn't even protect anybody yeah we had i think we protected drew waters was like the big guy so for the braves but um yeah, uh, not worth mentioning more than what we're talking about right now. If if you guys want us to leave us some um, comments or or tweet at us and we can go over it in more detail. But it, it's not a huge amount. And then the other thing was just some fall ball stuff. But, you know, um, Torkelson got hurt and was removed. That was like one of the biggest pieces of news. But I, I mean, did you get it, anything out of the fall ball that's worth discussing more than a couple minutes?
1: Uh, let's see. Joey Weimer was pretty fun, um, continuing his onslaught. A um, couple of guys really had a good, good seasons down there. I don't think there was anything too overly, you know, surprising or anything. I mean, some guys that were kind of on the fence struggled. Um, some guys that we thought were good ended up being really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, God, it's so long ago now, it's hard to even remember that off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this is something that I used to follow very closely, um, but then the correlation to success the next season wasn't as strong as I thought, especially yeah. last year, so it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Uh, what you really want are guys that were injured, like C.J. Abrams is a good example, that they're able to go out there and, and basically rehab, and if they're able to get through that, that's the biggest pieces of information, and, and Abrams is a good example of that. He was able to... To join that, so keeping him um yeah some, I mean the same, I don't same thing with uh with
1: Mario Feliciano, I mean, he mm-hmm. missed most of the season with a shoulder injury, so he goes down there, gets some more reps, some at bats, some defensive work, you know and and showed pretty well, so it's yeah. just yeah getting those guys some extra at bats or innings pitched throughout the season if they miss some time due to injury same thing goes for winter ball for whatever prospects that are playing in winter ball as well either the dominican republic or in venezuela
0: or wherever exactly so let's move on let's talk about this uh top 210 list uh this was actually released in october uh, a few months ago and again like i said we had discussed our um input on this list but What is interesting is that there is 24 other people that also participated in this list that should also get some acknowledgement and more of a generalized idea of what this list is. So let me go and start from the beginning here. This is a aggregated list. Of course, aggregated means that it's taking an average of everybody's list that they created. So 26 of us created a top 100 list and uh you and i and all these people we we did it independently we didn't talk to each other about it or try to influence i hope i don't think (laughs) at least i know i didn't and uh we submitted these rankings to an excel spreadsheet if you will and that uh, was able to basically give a number to each prospect where if you were the number one you got 100 points right and if you were the number 100th prospect on your list, you got awarded one point for that prospect, and then all 26 of those lists were combined, and whoever came out on top, for instance, in this case, Bobby Witt had 2,583 total points, meaning almost all of the people had him number one, and a few people had him a little bit lower than that, but he was the guy that ended up with the most points, and therefore, for our site, it's considered to be the number one overall prospect. Now, if you didn't have a guy on a list, like there is one or two guys that were not included on a list. Um, and you could see that on the website, too. A good example, and this is for you, David, was Hedbert Perez was not yeah. included on two lists. Um, so. And I his, know who you are.
1: I'm <laughs> coming after you.
0: No, I'm just kidding. His, his ranking of 36 um, actually, you know, gets kind of... Um, lowered quite a bit because of those two people who did not rank them. But again, that is fair because uh, Hedbert is a guy that should have a lot of people on board. And then there's going to be people that quite uh, are off board, if you will. And you can see that on our list as the range was uh, you (laughs) ranking him number nine overall. And then somebody else, you know, leaving him off the list entirely. There's not too many people that experience the range that high. Um, And so when you go down further to the list, you're like, okay, well, there's more than 100 people on this list. And yes, indeed, there is over 200 people on this list. And then when you start looking, you'll see that that number of lists goes down. So I'm going to take a guy, for instance, um, let's go with Clark Schmidt, who is our ranked number 123rd ranked prospect. He was only on six lists. Um, So he was, you know, he did get some points, but a lot of people left him off the list. And uh, you'll see, you know, that's why he can't quite creep into the top 100. And down further, you go way, way down to our, you know, the top 200. Uh, Right outside of that, people are on the list once. You know, you have one list, for instance, AJ Puck made it onto one list at number 100. Um, My guy, Hudson Head, was my 100th guy. (laughs) So he's on the list because... Um, I put him there, essentially. So this is a way that a lot of people said, you know, uh, make sure he's included on this list so people don't forget about them. So um, that's how the
1: list works. And, and I mean, when it comes to some of these guys, I mean, we know that it's going to be much more than 100 players on this list. And it may not necessarily be, hey, this guy is uh, one of the top 100 players, but he's definitely one of the top 200 um, and belongs on this list somewhere. Um, And and that's where when it comes down to the end of it, you put him on at the end and and get him some points and get him on the board and just make sure he's included. Yeah,
0: exactly. So let's spend a little bit of time on this. What I have up here are a couple of. uh, Competing (laughs) fantasy prospect lists. I don't know if I should say them or not, but they're just two of the ones that I use a lot. And then I have the MLB pipeline one up as well. To compare some real life guys that are up a little bit higher for instance let's start there adley rutchman is number one on mlb pipeline um whereas he comes in number three on ours um and mlb pipeline really liked some of the n- newly drafted guys i mean they have marcelo meyer at number nine jack Leiter at number 12 jordan lawler at 13. um those i thought those are really really high for the newly drafted guys <laughs> um as opposed to our list, which has the same players at uh, Meyer at 18. Um, Jack Leiter is all the way down at 34 and Lawler's at 38. So I want to comment on the big differences there with those first year drafted players. And uh, do you, you know, we, should we push them up a little bit higher or uh, what's going on there?
1: Well, I, mean, I think also with part of that is, you know, MLB pipeline is a lot more of your uh, real-life-based rather than fantasy-based. And, and in terms of fantasy, I mean, those guys who were just drafted this year are going to be further away from the big leagues. Um, so, I mean, maybe they're not, you know, quite seen as, uh, as valuable right now because they're so far away, um, even, even though, like, you can keep them uh, for, you know, in, in, until they come up, but just, uh, looking at this draft class, I mean, there was, there was a lot to like about this draft class, especially the top there, Marcella Meyer, uh, Jack Leiter, Jordan Lawler, really good shortstops, uh, Jack Leiter, one of the best, uh, college pitchers we've seen, uh, in a while. And, you know, that that's going to be reflected on there. Plus there were a lot of graduations, Um, this past year and you know perhaps with some some openings there and among the the top prospects they really just kind of slotted in and not as many others jumped out to to MLB pipeline to being worthy of those top 15 uh, overall spots so those you know super hyped guys from the draft end up getting them
0: yeah that's a good explanation too and I think, you know, MLB Pipeline has a lot, a little bit of advertising there as well. I think they're invested in the draft, and so they want mm-hmm. you to sort of enjoy those guys and say, okay, you know, these guys are... are Hype them up
1: a little bit, bit more,
0: yeah. Yeah, it, it's the prospect of the unknown, right? We haven't seen these guys a lot, so the grass always greener effect sort of comes into play here. Um, another guy I wanted to talk about... Uh, well, well, first of all, our list went Bobby Witt, Julio, and Adley at the top three. And for fantasy purposes, I don't think you'll see much difference uh, because of the shortstop premium position. Um, On MLB Pipeline, which is interesting, you'd think the shortstop would be definitely ahead. Uh, They they do have Julio ahead of Bobby Witt. But for most websites I've seen out there fantasy-focused, Bobby Witt is the guy. And I think, again, that's because he's probably playing and starting in April. uh, Yeah. next season and so you get return value right away and Julio could have some roadblocks or uh, things that hamper his development in a way that he is a little bit further off although I still think he's probably up next year too don't you think
1: yeah probably at some point but uh, he's not going to be there opening day I wouldn't expect Um, Adley Rutchman should be um, up there opening day but I mean we'll see what what Baltimore does as well. But I mean, all those guys are getting pretty close, but Julio's probably the farthest away of that top three.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, not super far away either. It's not like yeah. uh, the, the guys that were just drafted, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like he's an a
1: ball, but um, with wit being as close as he is and Rutschman as close as he is, Julio technically of that group is the far, farthest away.
0: A couple other guys to just mention here as I, I go down and listen again. I don't want to spend too much time. You can check out our last podcast as well if you want some more stuff on the, the aggregated list here. But, um, you know, the, the top six, pretty uh, pretty straightforward. And I don't think a lot of the other websites are going to differ from what you see here with the with Julio Rodriguez, Adley Spencer, Torkelson, Riley Green, CJ Abrams in that order. Um, one of these guys has Brendan Davis up a little higher. Um we actually had Brendan Davis down at 9. He's usually a bit higher on these websites, but I actually kind of agree with our ranking of him at number 9. Love Brendan Davis, but I don't like him top 5 prospect in all of baseball quite yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite there yet either on him. Yeah.
0: And so uh are, some of the big gaps start to happen pretty quickly. I mean, Noelvi, Marte, Luciano, Brandon Davis, they have a little bit of gaps, but they're all within the top 20. When we get to a guy like Zach Veen, he was as high as number four and as low as 67 on a list. And Veen's a little bit of a guy that, you know, he's on 32 on one of these lists that I'm looking at for another player. Another list has him at number 11, MLB Pipeline has him all the way down. I got to scroll down a lot for Veen here at 50. So this is a guy that really is the first one that has a huge um, gap. And I'm a little confused why people would not buy into what Zach Veen has done. Uh, Essentially all he did was uh, give you exactly what a fantasy gold mine would be in the minors minus a, a little bit of power, but, At 19 years old, playing his debut season, I wasn't worried about that at all. So if the power develops, you have everything you could possibly want. And how many guys can you talk about that in, you know, the 40, 50, 60 range? So to me, Zach Veen is much closer to the number four overall prospect than he is the number 67th overall prospect or the number 50th on MLB Pipeline. So what are your thoughts on Zach Veen and where do you fall on that gap?
1: Yeah, that was... Veen is uh, interesting, and uh, when I'm looking at the list, that's uh, Stoffer uh, was the one that had him at 67. But when I'm looking through the the rest of our uh, prospect rankings, there is not another one that has him lower than 33. Uh, I think it's the lowest, is the second lowest ranking for for Zach Veen. So, I mean, most had him around, um, you know, either the Probably the early teens to the to the mid-20s. Um, he was kind of hanging around there. I had Veen uh, at uh, 18 on my list. Um, but, yeah, most of it was around in that range. And then just uh, a couple of outliers there with uh, Jared had him at 4 and Stauffer putting him at 67.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's still very, very young. There, there's no doubt about that. But even on the, you know, I'm looking at three different websites here, uh, you know, and there's a P, 11, 34, 50. That's a big range for other major publications, too. Um, I, I just don't know uh, what the argument is. I mean, even power-wise, 15 home runs from a 19-year-old in low A with, I mean, the strikeouts were a bit high, but still, 36 stolen bases. Did get caught 17 times. So I don't think we're looking at a 30-30 guy here, but uh, a 20-10 guy with 300 as like a floor. In Coors Field, that's that's really nice, and um, this this tells me that there are people out there that will value him, but not as highly as maybe he will be end up uh, getting. So a good target in the off season for people um, that were maybe thinking he's more of a power guy, and they see the 15 home runs, they're like, oh, this guy's not going to be what I signed up for. But um, uh, his his fellow draft class member Robert Hassel the third. Comes in at 15 in our list, also has a wide range at nine and 63. And I think those two are just so similar to me in terms of value. Um, I think one's, I think Hassel's going to hit a little bit better. And I think Veen's going to have a little bit more power when it's all said and done. But two guys that, again, have a huge range. Hassel's range was as high as nine and as low as 63. So that's another interesting one. Those guys are, for me, at least always tied together because of their draft status and, I remember when the draft was happening it was, who were they, who's going to be the first high school bat? Is it Hassel or Veen? Um, so an interesting development. they both had excellent, excellent seasons. No doubt.
1: Yeah. And they were back-to-back picks. Weren't they in that draft?
0: They were, yeah, they might've been or very, very close to it. I don't.
1: Yeah. I think Veen was, Veen was like eighth overall and Hassel was ninth.
0: Yeah. It, like that, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um. Moving on, again, just a little bit more of the guys I wanted to go over. One guy that had a huge range, again, I, I find the range is so interesting. Um, Nick Gonzalez, as high as number 10, which is, is far too high for me, for Nick Gonzalez, because I I just think he's a good, safe prospect if there is such a thing. But as high as 91, like, uh, I almost I can guarantee you that he's going to be a major leaguer and at least a regular at that, like that's where I'm at at at, at him. So at 91 is really, really high for me. Um, other lists that I'm looking at have him, you know, top 15, top 20. Um, so quite high. So Nick Gonzalez, we haven't really, I feel like we haven't talked about him a huge amount. So what are your thoughts on Nick Gonzalez and and where do you fall in the, closer to the 10 or the closer to the 91 range?
1: Um, I think for, for Gonzalez, I mean, that's. I think he's home runs. Yeah. Job. I,
0: pretty good.
1: And he's really pretty, um, pretty like solid and, and safe as a, as a hitter overall. Um, so, I mean, he's someone that, you know, I'd probably have closer to the closer to the 10 range than, than the nineties. Um, but Yeah. I mean, it's a solid hitter, pretty high floor. Um, you know, may not be a a superstar at the big league level, but I mean, he'd be a, a really solid contributing player at at second base, um, that hits pretty well and and can get on base and, and have a little bit of pop, you know, I mean, there's, there's value, um, in that there's a lot of good value in that. And I'd, I'd put him a little bit more higher than, uh, than the bottom half of the the top 50. I think I had him in the in the 30s somewhere. Yeah, it,
0: to me he's just not exciting. Like to me, Veen is super exciting because of the potential that he could experience. But Nick Gonzalez, I think, is just going to be like, um, you know, a 300 guy or close to it, with 15 to 20 home runs, and he's not going to steal a lot of bases, but he's going to be very valuable to a, a a real life Pirates team or wherever he ends up. Um, And sometimes, you know, those guys are are good to have on your fantasy roster where, you know, you can stack your roster with a bunch of Zach Veans and wait two or three years and have things happen. But, you know, at 22 years old, he did what he was supposed to do in high A and the path is clearly set for him to debut pretty soon. I mean, maybe not next year, but the year after. They got Adam Frazier out of the way now. Yeah, the big roadblock that was Adam Frazier. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, the Pirates will have, uh, you know, want him to succeed. The front office wants him to succeed uh, because if he doesn't, they're probably out. You don't, you don't you can't miss a number seven overall pick with uh, uh, with that roster that you have right now. In, yeah, and but it
1: time. is the Pirates. They have been known to mess things up. I mean, they had Garrett Cole in their hands for years and weren't able to unlock him. And as soon as they send him elsewhere, he turns into a stud.
0: Yeah. Love the strikeout rate and walk rate for Nick Gonzalez, too, as I'm looking at it. Uh, kind of fun to look at all these final lines. We're always talking about prospects mid-season and, you know, small sample size. But we got a lot of samples now to go over. Um, I mean, this list, you could go on and on. There's so many wide ranges. And uh, we have spent some time on it. I do want to spend some time on the, the two early mock drafts, which is essentially the same thing. It's a list. So why don't we take a break? And uh, we'll head on over to the Too Early mock, and uh, we'll be right back after this. You ready?
1: Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. And we're back. Thank you for spending some time with us here in the off season. Futures focus podcast, David Gasper, Alex Sanchez, follow us on Twitter, follow us, uh, follow our prospects, 1500 Twitter handle as well. Uh, it, it's about the only baseball you're going to get for the next couple of weeks. And um, we're the best there is. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, let's talk about the too early mock draft. Again, uh, to make sure that everybody's on the same page this was a draft that 20 of us participated in just for fun not uh, we're not keeping these guys or doing anything like that but we are giving them a, a look-see on where they might rank if we were to I, I mean there's not really i guess there is some dynasty leagues that do it this way i know i was i've been in one where you draft the major leaguers and then you draft the minor leaguers um I think in your dynasty league that the you're familiar with, you can draft at any point, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was both when we did that uh, startup one yeah. together. And that's when I was like, because that was my first time doing it. And I'm like, wait a minute, Wander Franco going in a third round? Like, Prospect's going in the third, fourth round? Like, what's what's going on here? So then I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to switch things up. And I landed myself Adley Rutschman in the sixth. Right. So I'm like, I so- got to do it.
0: I don't know which way is better. I tend to lean towards just draft whoever you want at any point um, because that gives you the the most freedom if you wanted to sort of begin with the rebuild. I know some some people like to do that and just stock up on prospects. That's a lot of fun. Uh, But there is some downside to that, too. And um, the league isn't as, you know not as much parity for the first year or two because you're going to get guys that totally ignore prospects and then we'll just have loaded rosters and then fall apart and then people leave so it is a little dangerous that way whereas if you do it separate you know everybody has a very equal farm system for the most part unless they just screw it up and so there's some advantages and disadvantages to that but this was a Uh, Prospects only. So, guys that were exhausted on their rookie eligibility were not eligible. And if they had a few at bats in the majors um, or innings pitch, they were eligible. And a couple examples of those as we go down, I'm sure we'll find. um, To be honest, I think a lot of people forgot some of the guys that made their debut Mm -hmm. and like sort of put them off the list. Um, One example that comes to mind for me was Kyle Muller, who I got super, super late and. To me, is a really good major league prospect that's basically ready now, and yet people like I remember in the chat were saying, "Oh, I totally forgot that he was available." So there's a couple like Jackson Kowar is another guy that comes to mind that you you kind of think of them as big leaguers, but technically they're still prospects. So um, it's interesting to also compare to our aggregate list too. So I still have that up to compare, um, and our aggregate list will start to differ after the third overall pick as Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez went number one and two uh, to Michael and Greg respectively. And then Riley Green is the difference that we have as Adley Rutschman is number three in our list on the website, but goes number three overall here. Um, Noelle Marte, Torkelson, Rutschman, Abrams. Again, these are pretty straightforward, I think, when you start looking at lists that that you know, Noel v. Marte you might not see as high in some lists. Um, for instance, he was number seventh on our, our our aggregate ranking and goes number four here to Jared. But overall, again, I think we've said this many times. The the, the seven are the guys with maybe Brendan Davis in there as well that you'll see um, over and over and over again.
1: Now, plus, plus the shortstop uh, value there for, for Marte. I mean, have, having that at shortstop, that, that availability, uh, I think is also going to be key and probably one of the reasons why Jared took him at four.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing to mention is that we had to fill out positions, which actually became quite difficult towards the end, especially for me, who uh, I'm anti-catcher. And then finding the catcher in the late rounds proved to be quite difficult. Um Mm -hmm. I just took anybody with a pulse at a certain point. Um, so you did have to fill out a roster. Now it is it was a pretty lenient roster. You had a quarter infield, a middle infield slot, you had five outfield slots and two utility slots. So it didn't really hamper your first, I would say, 15 to 20 picks. I mean, I wasn't even really thinking about it until pick fifteen or twenty, to be honest. Um, and then of course you need some pitchers as well, and then you have some bench spots. So you do have a roster to follow, but it didn't really hamper me, did it? Did it go into your thinking when you were drafting?
1: Uh, not really. Um, I, I ended up as I was going through, kind of neglecting the, uh, or, or kind of not getting any of the corner infield spots taken care of. I, I didn't take my first corner infielder until uh, the 18th round with Colt oh, wow. Keith. Um, so that ended up kind of falling by the wayside. But, um, you know, I had a. I think I had a pretty good well well balanced roster um and you know I was able to grab my catchers a little bit earlier I got MJ Melendez and Dylan Dingler so I think
0: I'm uh, I think I'm pretty well set there Yeah and that was the thing you needed to draft two catchers not just one so two catchers with 20 picks that's the you know 40 catching prospects I don't think there's 40 catching prospects I think there's 20 catching prospects and 20 players who happen to be catchers in the minor leagues at least that's what I found. Um, so let me go through this relatively quickly, and then we can talk about some of our our steals in each round. I mean, um, after the what did I leave off at the Abrams? I actually took Marco Luciano at number eight. You took Hedbert Perez. Of course. At the of nine, uh, which is where you ranked him anyway. So that was that was cool. Exactly.
1: I, I've got I've got to stay true to true to my word there, and stay stay true to my board and. When you're the CEO of the Hedbert Perez hype train, you got to do it.
0: You got to yeah. do it. You yeah. got to do it. I don't blame you. I, I like, uh, and that's the ga- again what this list is for because when you look at our aggregate list, you know, you have to wait till 36 to see that name. And now you see that, okay, some people are very much invested into this player. Um, After that, when Brendan Davis, Neil Cruz, which was interesting at number 11, I think we could talk about that for a second. Um, Cruz did make his debut. It looked really good, but number 11th overall, um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, if he's the short shortstop of the future there for Pittsburgh and, you know, he's, he's looking like he could be then, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's pretty solid. I mean, he, he looked really good this year, made his debut at, at the end of the season. Um, and, you know, that that's going to be a, a really good one to watch for Pittsburgh. Um, it's, he really kind of he really improved his stock as as the season went along. I, like he certainly didn't start um, 2021 at around the you know first round status, but he definitely got his way in there with his performance.
0: And didn't he have like one of the top five hardest hit balls all season for like,
1: something like really that? Something yeah. Crazy. Like like he it's just hit a bomb, bad. I, I would yeah. think. Yeah, I
0: wasn't too excited about him. But then all of a sudden I got, you know, the notification that he was getting called up and I was like, what the heck? It's like
1: there's two days left in the season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he, um, you know, he hit, he was okay in double A um, and then mashed in triple A. That's why he got the call. He, you know, six games hit 500 and, and then came up and hit that, the home run and, um, You know, a nice debut. What do you tell me why I'm not that excited for Cabrian Hayes, O'Neill Cruz, and Nick Gonzalez infield? Why am I just not excited about that too much?
1: (laughs) Because it's with the Pittsburgh Pirates.
0: Oh, and yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Those guys, I mean, I don't know. I'm not Cabrian Hayes was disappointing. Cruz, so so
1: many players on the Pirates have been disappointing over the years. That whole franchise has been disappointing. Disappointing. They wasted the prime of Andrew McCutcheon. Um, and they they just haven't shown an ability to get the most out of their prospects. They've had highly touted prospects before, they've had so many, and every single time they come up, they just aren't able to reach their full potential. And a lot of times it's after they get sent elsewhere that they end up reaching that potential. Remember when they had Austin Meadows. And Tyler Glasnow. And they weren't really able to do anything with them. And then they send them to Tampa Bay. In exchange for Chris Archer. And Archer ends up stinking with them. And Glasnow and Meadows are now studs. Yeah. Like. All their prospects either... If they either stick with the Pirates, they flame out, or when they get sent elsewhere, they succeed. I just, I just don't trust their player development system or, or, or their coaching staff or whoever to get the most out of their players. So it, it just makes it so tough to fully invest in some of their
0: prospects. Yeah, I mean, I can't really say that I wouldn't take those guys on my dynasty team, but they're just, they're just guys that I'm not overly enthused about and, and for reasons you're probably saying but number 11 in our mock draft um interesting there after Cruz goes Grayson Rodriguez Josh Young Zach Veen Robert Hassel Anthony Volpe Francisco Alvarez Corbin Carroll Shane and Sixto Sanchez nothing too surprising maybe Sixto a little high at 20 there uh um, yeah
1: Sixto's falling off
0: mm-hmm. but uh Otherwise, I think that the other guys I mentioned are pretty standard stuff, uh, but uh, Sixto is, is a risky pick with a high. I mean, there's a chance that Sixto is ready to go and just dominates. But that, his that small frame and um, a little concerning for number 20. There's just some guys I'd rather have ahead of them. In round two went Nolan Gorman, Josh Lowe, Tristan Cassis, Marcelo Meyer, Nick Gonzalez, Garrett Mitchell. He doesn't get picked by you, but rather I by Paul. Williams. I didn't get a chance to pick again. I know.
1: I, I, never... I, I had to take Headbird first, and then mm-hmm. yeah, before I could come up in the second round, Head or Mitchell's gone.
0: Yeah, little little early, but uh, I think that Mitchell is turning into a guy that uh, is a very safe floor for what you are. I mean, he's going to be a regular in some capacity. He's going to be a superstar. Maybe, maybe not. That, that
1: depends yeah. on if that power shows up and if he's able yeah. to get to it in yeah. games. Yeah. He has Absolutely. it in batting practice. It, it's just getting to it in, in games and, and staying healthy.
0: I'm I'm not even worried about the power. I'm worried about, you know, if he becomes a guy that I just need to get on base any way he, he can, which would be a very valuable leadoff hitter for the Brewers, but not so much a guy that's going to carry a fantasy team. You know, that's my biggest concern. Right. He has the power, but it might be an Ichiro status where he's just going to try to hit. Hit hit, which is fine. And
1: there's nothing wrong with with being
0: Ichiro. Okay, no, I will I will sure take that Ichiro.
1: every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah,
0: of course. I'm not saying he's Ichiro. I'm just saying you know Ichiro supposedly had all this power he never tapped into because he wanted to hit 340. Yeah, um, but I he
1: could have yeah. if he wanted to.
0: That's what we. Which that's is what which said. is
1: amazing and so legendary.
0: So legend. I'm gonna continue to believe it. After that, Jason Dominguez, George Kirby, Luis Matos. Um, Hunter Green, pretty early there at number 30. Tyler Soderstrom, Vidal Brujan, Austin Martin, Jordan Walker. I mean, this is a very nice, if you're look, using this as a top 100 list. I mean, this is pretty good order. I don't see anything too egregious here. Jordan Walker, Max Meyer, Henry Davis at 36. I'm starting to really come on to Henry Davis, even at my anti-catcher life. And anti-pirates. And anti-pirates. I mean, those are. I'm most excited for him than any of those other guys, to be honest, just because you drafted him number one. You had to see something there. Anyway, Alec Thomas goes at number 37. Rocio, uh, Brian Rocio from Cleveland goes at 38. Jack Leiter and uh, George Valera. Uh, you picked Vidal Brujan. I picked Austin mm-hmm. Martin. Again, I don't want to spend too much time on these guys. You, if you're listening to this website, or listening to this podcast in December, you know, those guys and you know, they're good. No need. Uh, let's get some guys that maybe you haven't heard of. <laughs> down a little bit later so in round three goes Cade cavalli jordan lawler nick prado yuri perez joey bart at 45 was interesting hebert ruiz goes right after him at 46 again kind of a catcher run there uh khalil watson michael harris emerson uh, hancock nick york Oelvis martinez brady house that's an interesting one at 52 Mm -hmm. uh jaron duran who has fallen a little bit i mean i remember him as a top 15 prospect on a lot of lists now down here at 53, maybe a, a steal. That's our good friend Pars, uh, the Pars list, I'm picking him. Daniel Espino at 54, quite high for me as well. Uh, maybe I'm missing something on Espino. What are your thoughts? 54 for Daniel Espino.
1: I mean, Cleveland does have a reputation with pitching prospects, and and with the stuff that he has, I mean, they really kind of churn guys like that out. They get the best out of them. Um, so I mean, I can see it with Espino, just just kind of knowing the organization that he's in. Uh, And with the stuff that he has. So I could see him really kind of performing better um, than a lot of lists have him currently.
0: Yeah, I I, I can get on board with that. I mean, at a certain point, I think it gets risky to trust organizations over the player, but there's a few that maybe break the mold and the guardians might be one of those guys, uh, one of those teams to, to consider. Um, After him, Reed Detmers, Gabriel Moreno, Matthew Liberatore, Pedro Leon at 58, Royce Lewis all the way down at 59, and Jose Barreo at 60. What do you think of Jose Barreo normally, formerly Jose uh, Garcia uh, at 60? I I just don't know about him, so I want to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not really too sure about him uh, either. I mean, Cincinnati's kind of in like a weird spot with their shortstop thing, how like they want him to be ready, but he's not quite ready yet. But, like, they brought him up, and, like, he didn't do too well. And it's just kind of back and forth. And, you know, I don't know if Cincinnati's going to handle it the best. I mean, I think he's he's solid. Um, and I think he can probably handle shortstop defensively. Um, yes. But if the bat's going to be there enough, that's that's the issue.
0: <laughs> he, of course, I think raised a stock a lot. As silly as it sounds with that Futures game home run, that looked – major league ready quality Um, what he didn't do to improve his stock was his actual performance Um, but I think you know I was reading up on him he lost his mother to COVID which is you know horrific awful Mm -hmm. Um, and that's obviously going to make a large impact on him so maybe you don't look at this year's minor leagues he's a guy to keep a close watch on let's just maybe put a pin in that and say, this is somebody you want to watch very closely. And then how he goes is kind of where you go. So if he starts hot, you know, number 60 overall doesn't sound too bad. If he comes out of the gate slow, maybe he's a guy you fade a little bit. Um, I picked Michael Harris in this round. You picked Emerson Hancock. I think, you know, for a lesser extent, I'm the Michael Harris CEO, but um, mm-hmm. 48 for me is, is easy pickings there. I mean, I look at the guys behind Michael Harris. I see nobody with the upside, of him, perhaps, um, you know, Royce Lewis maybe is another guy, with, but, he, you know, Harris isn't injured. So, for me, 48 was really fun to get. Um, our boy Tyler Freeman goes at 61. Aaron Ashby, Lodolo, Quinn Pleister, uh, Ro- uh, Ronzi Contreras, Oswald Peraza. Now we're getting into some names that are quite interesting, um, as you might not see these as high um on some lists, Jordan Groshan's all the way down at 67. He's fallen, and I'm not quite sure what he's done to deserve it. <laughs> he hasn't really been bad, and yet he's dropped multiple spots on almost every list I look at. Miguel Vargas at 68. Interesting pick there. Jackson Job, Andy Pahe, uh, how do we pronounce that name again? It's Pahe's, right? Andy, yeah, Pah- I think it's Pahe's. Uh, Jose Miranda, big jump there at 71. Uh, You picked MJ Melendez. I picked Blaze Jordan. Um, Again, that's... We're taking power hitters. I just... Yeah. Melendez and Jordan, I I feel like, are really good value there in the 70s. Um,
1: Followed by young Kenzie Noel and Brett Beatty. So, just kind of a whole string of power hitting guys there.
0: Power hitters, yeah. Very... I mean, these are names that you, you weren't seeing on top 100 lists, you know, in the middle of the season... Um, but, you know, breakout year for Miranda gets him into the top 100. Um, interesting to see Vargas up there at 68. Uh, you know, Groschens as I was mentioning, um, finishing off round four, Colton Cowser, Christian Hernandez, Gunnar Henderson still up there at 78. I'm sort of fading him now a little bit more than I did. I, I, maybe I'm just he's the older prospect now, even though he's obviously quite young, but he's just. Been around for a while now in my mind, and I'm like, yeah, not as excited. Um, my Mick Abel, and then Dustin Harris, a guy that we've talked about a little bit here at the end of our podcasts for 2021, clocks in at number 80. To me, I I think Dustin Harris is going to be a top. Uh, you know, I might move him up even more if we were to re rank. I'm just really excited about Dustin Harris and. Um, what did you think about Texas? Let's talk about what Texas is doing at the major league level, which was insane. Yeah. And what does that mean for their prospects? Because they have some good ones. Josh Young, Dustin Harris come to mind. But what do these signings mean to you about the Rangers' prospects going forward? I
1: mean, for them, it's
0: – I mean, they've got they've Simeon. got their middle
1: infield spots settled with, with Seager and Simeon. Yep. Uh, third base should still be open for Josh Young, I, I would believe. Um, Justin Foscue's stock is probably falling quite a bit. Um, you know, Maybe same for Ezekiel Duran and Luis Angel Acuna. Um, is it Luis Angel? I don't know. Um, but oh, wow. oh, yeah. I, I still think there's going to be room for, for Josh Young, um, and that's going to be important. So, who do they have at third base now at the big league level?
0: Was it, uh, was uh, it uh, like, a journeyman resident that had – was uh, Santana? Was it Danny? <laughs> Am I, what, that, this no, year,
1: I don't or think that? it was most recent. I know Isaiah of falefa yeah. was at shortstop. Maybe he could move over. Oh, um, long, um, Fangrass has Fangrass has IKF at uh, third base currently, uh, Kiner falefa So he could, you know – I feel like he can just move around to play pretty much anywhere. Like he's been so good lately and and really improving and they could put him in, in left field. They they could put him wherever really, I feel like, and he'd do well. So uh, that outfield uh, maybe could, uh, the the corner outfield could maybe use some help. I mean, they got Cole Calhoun and Nick Solak over there currently. Um, So they perhaps could use some help among the uh, outfield prospects, which they don't have much of it. I think Evan Carter is their highest ranked outfield
0: prospect. I think you can move
1: prospect.
0: Harris out there. He's athletic enough to move out to the outfield. you got to cool yeah. handle yeah, Handle I mean, left field or something. Because it's absolute garbage. I mean, excuse. I'm not trying to hate <laughs> on people's teams here. But, I mean, it's just not exciting. And then you go to some other positions and you're like, oh, that's World Series caliber players. You know, it's like what do you make of this team? What are they trying to do? I wish I knew what their plan was, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: they're kind of doing what I I feel like the Padres did a little bit. Um, like when they went out to get Hosmer and Machado before they were really ready to compete, but they signed them to long-term deals to get the veteran leadership and, and get these, uh, important corner positions locked down. Um, Texas is just kind of doing the same thing, except getting the middle infield spots locked down with veteran leaders. Um, and then they're going to build around them uh, with their prospects and, and with their farm system. So then, then you build around them with Josh Young, uh, Jack Leiter and Cole Wynn in the rotation when they get there. Um, Sam Huff, uh, when he gets up a, a, a catcher um, and, and kind of fill out the rest of that
0: group. This rotation though, right now, I mean, John Gray they signed, don't forget. Taylor yeah. Hearn, Dane Dunning, AJ Alexi, and Spencer Howard are the top five.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they could use maybe a little bit more help there. Yeah. Um, well, they did. So, I mean, they
0: drafted those guys, so yeah. Um, let's move on to round number five. You have Reginald Presiado, uh, a big riser this year. Although 81 is pretty low, to be honest. I think I uh, that's a guy that I may have. Wanted to pick ahead of Blaise Jordan that I look at this now, but uh, a steal there for Michael at round uh, five, pick 81 overall. Michael Bush, Everson Pereira, Kobe Ma- uh, Mayo, who you talked about earlier, at 84, Luis Capuzano, J.J. Bladé at 86. I bet uh, a lot of people are um, interested in that. I think you either like Bladé or you completely are ready to just forget about him that's kind of where you're you have to be with Bl- uh, Blade. Let me. Where are your thoughts on Blade right now? I mean, I, let me pull
1: up his numbers. Um, and
0: that was Stoffer picking him. Uh, the yeah.
1: So I mean, that, that's that's your Marlins guy picking the the Marlins prospect. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's what is what is he? He's 24 years old now. That's um, crazy. He hit he hit what? 212 this year with a 6.95 OPS. That was bad. You know, so his number and, and his his overall minor league career stats. You know, he's hit 223 and I mean, he only had the the you know partial season in 2019. and the, I mean, he started in high A, uh, hit two fifty seven there, but I mean, he had he had 12 homers this year, just solid 22 doubles, okay, um, but 101 strikeouts and just under 400 at bats.
0: 64 um, walks. Yeah. But I mean, what are we getting from him? He had four hundred and sixty eight plate appearances and didn't do anything fantasy relevant. Like twelve home runs and that many at bats is useless. Like the like yeah, that that's not the stolen bases are useless. The on base percentage wasn't great considering his he hit two twelve. It's just there's not a lot to get excited about. So I think I'm I'm on the um totally off on the blade train. <laughs> yeah, which I mean,
1: God, the fourth overall pick and just not being yeah. able to perform like that, I mean COVID, that's that's
0: tough. COVID, I think, killed killed him a lot. He needed that 2020 year that he never got, and now yeah. he's 24, like you said, 24. Um, he's moving on, have to repeat AA this year. Yep, yep. Um, Harry Ford, interesting at 87 to uh to Michael. Um, really early for me for Ford, but uh, you know, the like I said, the catching prospects and two catcher. Roster really, I think, bumped up some of these guys. Edward Cabrera goes to me at 88, which I loved. I think a lot of people forgot about him. Cole Wynn goes to you, who you mentioned earlier, at 89. Bryson Stott, I think, is starting to get a little bit of helium here in the offseason. Had a very solid fall ball, winter league, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Mackenzie Gore clocking in at 91. People still willing to take a chance. Uh, Diego Cartaya at 92. Peyton Batenfield, uh, guy that we've talked on here with pars list. Before uh, clocking in at 93, he I mean, if you look at pars lists, picks, they're his guys through and through for sure. Um, although I, I do like Batonfield, maybe a 10 or 15 picks later. Bobby Miller, Austin Wells at number 95. That, that seems like a steal to me as, as a catcher. Um, I'm really sad I didn't. I, well, Austin Wells or Edward Cabrera. I don't know. It, 95 for Austin Wells. What do you think? I think that's a great pick.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a solid pick. I mean, it's it's also Paul taking him, you know, from from the Yankees there, but
0: um, you know, he's
1: Yeah, but I mean, he, he's going to know Wells better than than the rest of us and I th- I think that's a good pick for him and, you know, he's he's kind of done well and yeah, that that catcher scarcity too. I mean, really who like who are your top fantasy catchers? JT Realmuto, who else? Like the, like there's not many great or even that super good fantasy
0: catchers. That's, that's my philosophy is that I think uh, similar to football, like teams are going to have two catchers and they're going to split time. They want to split times with these guys because defense is so important. And it's just so hard to be offensively good and defensively good. So there's some days where you want the bat. There's some days you want the the glove in there. And then the only really way to get that is to have two catchers on your roster that, that are yeah.
1: But so, but if you have a guy who is good at both, I mean that's someone that's that you really are going to want to get.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like
1: that's where like a guy like Adley Rutschman mm-hmm. kind of comes in and, and is super high for me and, and is you know my top prospects. It's like you can't really find catchers that are going to bring as much offensively as he can. Um, so that's a guy that that I'd want to try to get on my roster.
0: So I'm looking at catchers right now will smith is probably the number one dynasty catcher yeah uh, as a 26 year old real muto's at 30 years old um salvi and then rutschman you know those are the i think to me those are the the four guys that if you wanted a catcher that you could pay for after yeah. that i mean wilson Contreras. I'm not excited Kiebert ruiz i'm not excited about grandal i'm not excited about 33 year old grandal
1: Um, He walks a bunch. If you're in an OBP league, that's great. But also, didn't he hit like a buck 90 or something this year with
0: like 150 walks or something? Yeah, he hit 240, which was uh, I think he came on strong at the end with 23 homers and 420 on base percentage. Um, And and we're talking about the seventh overall dynasty catcher, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And so we're already at Grondahl. We have Soderstrom, who's not even going to stay at catcher. Francisco Alvarez, Henry Davis, Darton Varsho, Alejandro Kirk. I mean, these are the names yeah. you get. So uh, again, that's why I'm anti catcher. I'm not gonna play that game. Just give me give me whoever. Just get a body and, and focus on filling out the rest of the roster. The best is when you get catcher eligible guys that you, you know, like Shorber, you could put at catcher for a year and he's really playing left field. That's <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. That's why I like Soderstrom so much. You're gonna be able to do that for a year or two, I think. All right, continuing on here. Left off with Austin Wells. Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, who was another big gap guy that I wanted to mention that I didn't get a chance to. A lot of people high on him, a lot of people low on on Ronnie. Just checks in at 97. The uh, over Paguero at 98, Trey Sweeney, interesting there at 99, and JT Jin at 100. Interesting picks there um, to end the top 100. What do you think of Paguero, Sweeney, or Jin?
1: Yeah, I think Sweeney is, is a little too high for me. I mean, he was a 20th overall pick in the draft, and, and he ends up making in the top 100 here. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I think, I don't think that highly of, of Sweeney. Gin or, or Ginn or whoever it's uh, pronounced, I mean, I, I think that's a, I think that's a solid pick there for, for Tony, and, and he went in and then uh, Matthew Allen, so two Mets pitching prospects back-to-back, um, heading in round six. But, yeah, it's I, I think it's definitely a little too high for Sweeney, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, a lot of unknown with him, but um, he's listed as a shortstop on our list. I think that he's probably moving to the outfield, if I had to guess, especially in the Yankees organization. There's just too many people ahead of him. That are going to be playing those middle infield spots. So if you take him out of shortstop, it's a lot less exciting. Um, to kind of wrap up some of these last rounds, as we're running against the clock here, but um, you know, outside the top 100, like you said, Matthew Allen goes. I think Christian Pache is a name a lot of people are interested in at 106 to Paul. Um, don't forget about him. You know, I think a lot of people will forget about him, especially if you're in a startup dynasty league. Uh, again, I don't think he has superstar potential offensively, but I think eventually he's going to play every day, and uh, that's valuable enough. And after 100 or so picks, that's a, a decent value there. Uh, you took Hunter Bishop from me. This is the round where I was ready to take <laughs> Hunter Bishop um, at 112. Another guy that uh, injuries really has what have stopped him, and if he's healthy, watch out. The, uh, everything's still there for him to be a fantasy dynasty. A stud, uh, DL Hall, um, Spencer Strider, interesting at 118. Um, you could see him just be a dominant bullpen arm moving forward in round seven. A couple of names to highlight. I think Nate Pearson going at 127 is pretty telling. Um, Carlos Colmenares at 122 seems a bit uh too high for him. I would, I would have probably taken him a little bit sooner if all said and done drew waters falling to 131 is depressing for me to see but <laughs> i even passed on him at 128 for wilman diaz i said nope i don't want drew um jeter downs at 137 i'm sure that hurts a lot of red Sox <laughs> faithful as well to see him so low uh into round eight a lot of people are starting to pick you know guys that they are uh, their guys if you will um you know, James Wood here at 147 is interesting. Ethan Small goes to you at 152. Yep. Uh, Getting my Shane, guy. Shane Languilera. So, you know, Travis Swaggerty is a guy, again, in the Hunter Bishop mold where injuries have just sort of derailed him a little bit here. But he's essentially ready. And it's the Pirates. And nobody's going to really stop him if he's hitting. Um, for uh, you know So, 160 overall for Travis Swaggerty, I think, is a really good value. Um Kristen Robinson is also worth mentioning here at 144. Uh, he's still around. Um, I've totally lost interest in him, but 144, yeah. I guess, is worth a shot. Forrest Whitley comes in at 163. Um, a <clears throat> couple other guys. I, I mean, I'm just looking at guys that really have fallen, but to me, they've fallen so much that they've become What? Valued. What I
1: think was interesting was Felix Valerio jumping up to 164 getting picked by Jared. I mean, I did yeah. not have him anywhere near that high. Um, I mean, he's he's been really good uh, this year. I mean, he pretty much walks a, as much as he strikes out, showed really good contact skills uh, in low A, then showed improved power in high A. I think he's, I mean, he's a second baseman, maybe a, a utility guy at the big league level. So I think 164, maybe a little high. I was, certainly wouldn't have him go over... Hefferson Cuero, who went two picks later uh, to Stoffer, but I mean he's really kind of jumped up there.
0: Yeah, three Milwaukee Brewers prospects here: Bryce,
1: Terrain yeah, I Harrow. was going to take Cuero, that that's what my plan was, and Stoffer took him from me, and I'm like, you know what? I need a shortstop, and I ended up taking Terang because I've got Terang higher than both Cuero and Valerio on my top 100 and on my top 50 prospects list that's going to be coming out. So I felt like. If those guys are going, it's time for Terang to go as well.
0: I think maybe the second baseman position that you could slot him in at is important. I think, you know, second basemans start to, uh, as I'm looking down the list, there's just not a lot of second basemen being picked (laughs) in in the upcoming rounds, so that might have had something to do with it. And the second basemans that are getting picked are not necessarily exciting, so... Yeah, well, I mean... That's
1: because all your big league second basemen and your good big league second basemen started off as shortstop prospects and they just right. got moved over.
0: And that's what will happen for sure. But you couldn't really do that if you were trying to fill out your rosters. My, right. Yeah. My um, but yeah, so Clark Schmidt, Sidney and Wood Richardson, guys that were definitely top 100 prospects just a few months ago down here near the 200s. Uh, we go into the next uh, range in uh, round 10. Anybody here catch your eye in round ten? I mean, Victor Acosta for me is interesting there. I think that's a steal at 182. I'd be willing to jump up higher for him. Uh,
1: um, Jake Eater. I, I think for me at 194. Um, I, I think that was a really great pick by uh by Michael, um, lefty out of out of Miami. I mean, I I think he's really going to be a a very good pitcher. Miami's got quite the group of pitching
0: prospects. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, and a great place to pitch in too. That that state you know yeah. huge i really liked your pick here in heriberto hernandez even if you couldn't put him at catcher i think people yeah. think oh he's not a catcher i don't want him but he's a really good hitter and if he happens to be a catcher at some point that's awesome but i mean he's a good hitter just in his own
1: and, yeah and ended up you know i pretty much had a whole trend of all my outfielders names starting with the letter h uh, i had Hedbert probably. perez heriberto hernandez hunter bishop hudson haskin um and then to finish it off i had a uh, Ryan Holgate, so the last name started with an H, but still. <laughs> I, I did, once I saw that, I'm just like, I got to keep this trend going, you know.
0: I, I mean, at a certain point, that's what this draft becomes because we're now in like the the 200s range, um, and there's there's this is where you have to start looking up guys, and be like, um, who is this guy again? Um, but uh, here in round 11, uh, Gerardo Perdomo goes at you know 203. Zach Deloach, I like. Um, you went with Dylan Dingler, like you said. Um, I went von Gristom. Um, Bo Naylor is interesting there to get at 217. The guy probably people forgot. Reese Hines at 219. Um, into round 12. And again, I, I kind of want to spend... I feel like there's so much more to go over. Maybe we'll do a second part to this episode with... I mean, we still have essentially 16 more rounds to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Um, we'll probably stop there because I don't want this episode to go too long. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll pick up the back end of this early mock, because this is where it really gets interesting, um, to see some of these guys that are being picked. I mean, if I scroll down here to, I don't know, round 23, I mean, the names that you can get here are going to really help you out because they're probably available in your league, to be honest. Um, or if you're drafting, you know, first year player drafts. Uh, Robert Gasser, like, you know, your pick there at four hundred and forty nine overall is an absolute, you know, that guy is going to be a big leaguer in in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so to get him at four hundred forty nine, like these are the types of picks that separate the men from the boys, if you will, in dynasty leagues. You got to you got to get these guys. You got to pick them off the wire when you you get a guy like um, trying to think of somebody that comes to mind. I don't have a good one. I'm trying to think of. It's just like a guy you could pick off of the waivers, and then all of a sudden they come value, and then you can trade them away, even or or you can keep it. It's just such a bonus to get somebody for free that turns into something of value. Um, that's where championship rosters are built, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can make the first four or five picks right. Uh, and again, I don't want to make this a fantasy football podcast, but it, it, I think a lot of people can relate to that. It's the guys you get like uh, Debo, like Debo Samuel is a perfect example. I mean, you're getting him yeah. so late and he's just the guy that has terrorized the NFL for the last 16 weeks. And he's a guy that's, you know, but you got him for so cheap. That's what makes you. Uh, yeah. so great. And, 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 anybody- and
1: I know you may not care, but my fantasy football team is in the championship oh. uh, this week. So minus
0: two, minus two.
1: Nice. What What is your team name?
0: Uh, De- Devant. It's hard to say because it, it's not a word, but it's like avant-garde. But then I have Devontae Adams, so it's Devontae. I,
1: it. yeah. I love it. I love it. I love a Big Devontae Adams guy. I am uh, I love
0: him. He's amazing. Yeah. What about your team name?
1: AJ Dillon's legs.
0: <laughs> uh, because
1: they are strong. He He's known as Quadzilla because his quads are just so massive. Not fun to tackle
0: in the winter. I know that. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, it's a PPR league. So I got Devontae Adams. I I picked him in the first round. And I have Cooper Cup. Oh, wow. So you can see how I'm in the championship game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have, like I said, Devontae and then Debo is the example I use because I own him as well. (laughs) And those two have been just insane. But uh, I'm sure people don't really care too much about our fantasy teams. Although, if you've listened this far, you clearly enjoy us in some capacity, so maybe we should talk about our (laughs) football. Okay, I will say this because I think it is kind of interesting. Um, Most of you listening probably play fantasy football, so and most of us probably play similar so uh, scoring system. So PPR league, like I said, I scored 191 points last week, which was oh wow, and my opponent scored 184. Dang. And this isn't like crazy scoring or anything. It's normal stuff. And he was, we we have this bonus for 100 yards. So if he would have got Jalen Waddle needed eight more yards to get a catch and essentially beat me, and uh, he, he couldn't do it. But imagine scoring that many points and losing. In,
1: yeah, that, that's tough. I but. mean, for for me, the the first round of the playoffs was two weeks combined. That's a smart um, way to do it. Yeah. So I won that round 259 to 208.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that shows you just how how crazy fantasy is. You know, to me, baseball is the skill game for fantasy and uh, football is the luck.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got so many injuries that pop up week to week in football. And like I've had so many guys just like go down throughout the year and having to replace them on the roster. I had Robert Woods, too, as a receiver. And he went down, so I had to take him off and replace him with someone else.
0: Yeah. So, uh, don't worry about it in fantasy football. If you if you got eliminated, it's it's eighty percent luck, if not higher. Uh, but with fantasy baseball, you listened to this far, you got a bunch of information that your league mates did not. You made your fantasy team better because that is the skill based one, especially dynasty league. You don't you don't lucky uh, luck your way into a dynasty baseball championship. Uh, especially after the first couple of years, like you got to earn it and you got to know these guys and uh, the more, you know, the better. So thanks for listening. This was a, you know, a little bit longer just to kind of give you something to get you through the winter. Maybe you can listen to this in, in parts, get you through those dark times. I know get you through the holidays and
1: staying up at new year's. It's like, Oh man, what's going to keep
0: me awake. I know futures focus. Yes. 10 o'clock and you got two hours to kill. Boom. You can listen to this a few times. (laughs) <laughs> all right, David. We'll uh we'll be back shortly. We'll uh we're basically gonna start our season four of Futures Focus in January, where we'll have like a season premiere and uh some special guests on. Uh check out the site. We have top fifty lists starting to be revealed
1: for January 1st,
0: uh yeah, for all the teams coming out. I think that starting with the twins is our first one. Yep. Um and uh the, the special time of year where basically every day you get a huge top 50 list of uh, a new MLB team. And I don't know of any other website that can boast anything close to that. So enjoy that for the month of January. And uh, we'll be discussing those lists with hopefully those people that created them on this podcast uh, moving forward. So good to be back. Um, Have a good rest of 2021. And uh, David, we will, uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. All right. All right. Beautiful. Thanks again for listening. This is the Futures Focus podcast courtesy of Prospects 1500 and we will talk to you again soon.